0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Hey, RotoViz radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com.
1: To another edition, of Dynasty Cast on RotoViz Radio, brought to you our friends over at Blue Wire on the RotoViz Radio Network. July is in the books. We are into August. August on the Dynasty Tradecast. Cast. We're gonna start talking about some uh, win now type stuff, but also still keeping your dynasty stuff in tune. And that's what we're here to do with myself, Nathan Powell, and my lovely, amazing American co-host, Danzino. <laughs>
2: as if my nationalities have changed at any point uh the only person with any changes is you recording in a hotel at the moment which uh internet seems good enough
1: uh, i don't know I, we're, we're breaking up a little bit so we'll we'll see how we make it through this one uh <laughs> but this will be the last one and there will be some you know announcements made on the twitter verse and the instagram verse uh in the coming days but hotel for now and so Let's uh, get into the show. We're going to talk about some news and notes, and some you know interesting you know topics that might be coming up in your leagues, and then some rookies' path to production. Basically, talking about specific rookies and how they're going to produce at the expected uh, expected amount of production, or even exceed that production um, for maybe some players that are have some higher expectations. So, starts off the big news of the week is one Carson Wentz with a foot injury that has been bothering him since high school. If you've ever said the sentence, Carson Wentz is playing like he's got a broken foot out there, well, it's because he has. <laughs> and I guess he's decided to finally, and the Colts have decided to finally fix that up. So I guess the Eagles are even more incompetent than, than once first believed. But Quentin Nelson also has the same injury. He is also out for that similar 7 to 12 weeks. So let's, let's start off with Carson Wentz here. He's the main discussion point. This is bad news for Carson Wentz. This was supposed to be his opportunity to redeem himself, his opportunity to rebound, his opportunity to produce in an offense with Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton. And now that opportunity is not going to happen until at least midseason.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I thought this was going to be the, the opportunity for him to kind of prove prove everybody wrong. And all this really does is reiterate the fact that he can't stay healthy and even if he could, is he really going to be, you know, a, a difference maker or an above average starter? I don't think that was ever going to happen. But if it were to happen, it was going to be an indie with that offensive line, even though the weapons are mediocre at best. Um, I mean, everything was was kind of what he needed to succeed and getting a nice offensive line, even though uh, he had a halfway decent one in Philadelphia. This, this is yeah. If I wasn't all the way out before, which I'm pretty sure I was, I most definitely am now. He, he's just a walking injury. That's well, or a limping injury, I suppose at this point with a foot injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't necessarily been all in on Wentz. I don't have any on my teams. I, you know, I've, I've dabbled a couple of times, traded them back and forth a few times, but I did. I did have some hope. I did think that his ceiling in 2021 was fairly high in that, with a Frank Reich Indianapolis Colts offense. And I guess you could still say, like, there's opportunity to, to rebound the second half of the season if he comes back, you know, a week 9, 10, 11, that range. But at the end of the day, you know, the Colts are not going to get back what they were expecting when they traded essentially a third and a first or a third and second for Carson Wentz. And so it's it's a bit frustrating for, for, for Carson Wentz managers. I think that at this stage – I'm not going out and like, it's weird. Cause I think that he might end up being undervalued over the next couple of months, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go start sending offers. Like, I, like, yes, I, I, I acknowledge the opportunity to rebound in, in value, but I think there's enough risk there where I'm just like, yeah I'll, I'll let someone else, uh, you know, fight that battle.
2: Yeah. The floor is about as low as it gets for a, uh, for an NFL starting quarterback. And, and it got lower because of this injury. Right. And, Honestly, you you know you kind of alluded to the Eagles earlier on being a little bit at fault for even you know going out and getting once, but uh, this is on Carson almost entirely. He's had this injury since high school. He could have fixed it in high school. He could have fixed it in college. He could have fixed it anytime time in his first however many seasons he's been in now. Think about another. I mean, he could have double dipped. He went all of his time he's missed in the NFL. He very easily could have gotten this fixed during that stretch because it's yeah, something I just imagine it, he, could have, he could have been recovering
1: from a toe injury and and the torn acl <laughs> I,
2: I mean he could have fixed everything all at once and uh, <laughs> honestly it, i just i don't feel like it's it's going to work out for him in the nfl it just feels like bad decision after bad decision uh the one good decision he made was well it probably wasn't even his decision was getting himself to indy that that's been the only positive in the last five years for Carson Wentz. Everything else has been pretty negative aside from his one season where he looked like he might be an average NFL quarterback, but I, I just, I, yeah, I I'm done at this point. If you can get out for, for a first plus, absolutely fantastic. I would doubt you're getting that at this point. I'd probably just be targeting targeting like a mid tier positional player looking in your Anywhere from like a Debo Samuel to even like a Michael Gallup plus in that kind of deal. I just I, I doubt you're getting any quarterback that's worth having in exchange for Wentz. And the only way I well, Nathan and I, you know, pretty much build the same way, but the only way I like to transition off of a quarterback that is only going to be losing value until he's back is by going younger at wide receiver. So my move here would be either be to get draft picks or to get younger at wide receiver, uh, and keep the upside. I just I don't think he's ever going to exceed low end QB two production.
1: Now, with both the Wentz injury and the Quentin Nelson injury, probably the most affected party from a fantasy perspective is one Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had a huge uh, rookie season seventy seven point nine rushing yards per game, point eight touchdown. Per eight Russian touchdowns per game, 16.9 PPR points per game. And his 2020 matches as far as uh you know the, the range of outcomes back the rotivez, make sure you get your, uh, pro, your promo code uh 2021 RB radio uh, matches are Eddie Lacy, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, Marshawn Lynch. So definitely some promising uh you know out, outlook on Jonathan Taylor. But is there a promising outlook on the Annapolis Colts in 2021? They have come out and said that Jacob Eason is their guy, that they're not shopping the quarterback market. They're not looking at Nick Foles. They're not looking at Tyrod Taylor or, you know, who, whatever veteran quarterback might be on the market. They're not looking at him. They're looking at Jacob Eason to to fill that role for however long. Um, wins this out. Honestly, from a, like, team-building perspective, I do think that's the right move because if Eason is bad, they're going to go one and seven, and then they're going to be well on their way to a top pick and, and be able to, you know, Get an actual quarterback for the other future, um, and if Easton's good, which is not necessarily likely, if Eason is good, if Eason is good, then they have a quarterback in the future. So you know it's worth giving this sort of a tryout for Jacob Eason.
2: Yeah, honestly, going back, I, it was the the original mistake was just getting Carson Wentz. They should have went and got Gardner Minshew, or you know somebody more in that tier. I understand that the price is probably different, but. Um, it's a weird spot. If I have Jacob Easton, I'm selling him before he plays a game because he's not good and he won't be good, especially without Quentin Nelson. there. limited assets for them to be, um, throwing to, I, I think it's a big knock for Jonathan Taylor, not having a starting quarterback or Quentin Nelson. Uh, the line's still pretty good outside of that, but I mean, he's the leader of that offense, uh, in its entirety. And there really isn't a, an alpha wide receiver. You know, Michael Pittman showed some signs of some things. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's kind of on the his the last leg of his career, and outside of that, you know, maybe like a Naheem Hines. Uh, we expect Marlon Mack back this year, but, uh, you know, obviously that offense should run through Jonathan Taylor. I just think when defenses only have one thing to focus on, it's going to be stopping Jonathan Taylor, and it'll be a lot easier to do when there's no threat of a passing game.
1: And there, were, there was some of this before the Mack injury last year, but... Marlon Mack is getting RB1 snaps in practice. So that is still something to be a bit of a nuisance for Jonathan Taylor. But overall, whether it's the discount for Mack, the discount uh, in regards to Taylor, whether it's you're discounting it because there's Marlon Mack, you're discounting because of Wentz injury, you're discounting because of Quentin, T- Quentin Nelson. I'm all about getting high level players in Dynasty at any sort of discount. And everyone and their mother is saying, oh, it's time to buy low on, on Jonathan Taylor, which is true. But also, you have to realize, like, there, there is also a difference between buying low and a buying window. Like, there's a chance that, like, the person with Jonathan Taylor would scoff at any offer two days ago. Now, the world is crumbling around Jonathan Taylor. It's like, oh, I'll listen to, like, J.K. Dobbins in two seconds, or I'll listen to Aaron Jones in a first, or, you know, something along those lines.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think... I think it's kind of an under the radar time to be selling Jonathan Taylor, and obviously people are going to be, oh well, with Carson Wentz the the value's down. And honestly, Jonathan, it's possible Jonathan Taylor was was too overvalued to begin with. Uh, I I don't think people took the Marlon Mack uh, factor into account. But like you said, he was getting a lot of snaps. Obviously, Taylor was a rookie. But he has the draft capital that that should have been an easy hey plug and play he's ready to go and it was still Marlon mack pretty early and often. I see that as kind of a one a one b split and I think they get the other guys involved in the passing game as well so i i would assume Reich likes to keep his offenses fresh keep the keep it kind of rotating through uh I guess we don't have a ton of precedent because of the injuries in the short term and the limited you know assets that they've had but I just I feel like it's not going to be a real bell cow situation. So Jonathan Taylor could be a really nice way to get into a big time wide receiver. Or like Nathan said, if you are looking to kind of refill back in at the running back position, getting getting one of the other sophomore running backs or, or maybe getting a little bit older and adding a, a rookie pick onto it is a really clean move. It's a really easy way to get out, uh, even as promising as Jonathan Taylor is. I don't think he was overwhelmingly good last year. There was a lot of mediocrity. I, you know, and, and as much as I hate Lions running backs, I'd probably rather have DeAndre Swift at this stage, which is tough to say. But uh, I, I mean, think that, I, would. I
1: mean that can, that can be true to an extent. But we're down. We're downgrading Jonathan Taylor because of the Colts' offense is crumbling around him. The, the Lions' offense didn't need to crumble, like it's, and it also crumbled by Stafford leaving them acquiring Golf. So, like, they're both equally in bad offenses at
2: this current stage. Right. Yeah, it's not going to be. I, I also, just,
1: I, I mean, I, 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 Golf is bad, but Golf isn't J.K.B. so bad.
2: And I think Swift is has more natural ability than Taylor. I think Taylor's a better pure runner, but I, I think Swift brings more to the entirety of the game. It's just. Detroit and I always hesitate when anything is <laughs> anything is combined with Detroit.
1: And just to go over Jacobies in case you're like, oh, like, you know, some Debbie guys liked him. And I fall into this trap every single year. A guy who was a, a Debbie prospect, I end up liking him in the late rounds of rookie drafts. I do it every year. And I actually didn't end up with too much Jacob Easton, so I'm surprised by that. But Jacob Easton, one time Debbie Darling at Georgia, and his, uh, his his box score scout via RotoViz is not pretty. Uh, his 100% match sim score is Nate Sudfeld, 99 Mike Glennon, 91 Willie Tuitema, Tuitama, whoever that is, and 87 Sean Canfield. So a whole lot of nothing as far as his comparables um, on the Roto- Roto-Viz, uh box score scout. So not exactly thrilled with, with Jacob Eason, but like I said, from a team building perspective, the absolute best decision is not to go after Nick Nick to not go after a fill-in quarterback, just be bad. And on the rare chance that he's not bad, then he's good.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it'd be an outlier, but we've, we've seen crazier things. So um, if people are really leaning on the fact that, that Eason could potentially be the future, I think that's a really easy way to get out of that sharing, get free value. I can't imagine really anybody's thinking that way. So, I mean, I, 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 think you, I think you can get a late second for him right now. I think you can get more than that, to be completely honest. Yeah. I think, I, especially if you're targeting the Wentz owner. Uh, yeah. And if, if, you know, if Wentz was their QB2 in a super flex league or potentially their QB1, if they went with kind of the late QB model in, in a draft or if that's just kind of how they've built their team, they're going to be chasing those points because chances are if they're, if they're kind of, you know, not great at quarterback but the rest of their team is stacked they're going to want those points and that's that's I mean you know honestly cheap points for a contender
1: all right let's go on to our next topic which is Kirk Cousins and COVID uh Dynasty Tradecast had this had this question uh, or discussed this topic probably about a month or so ago basically talking about how we're valuing players that are either publicly unvaccinated or failing to disclose which also relatively means that they're not vaccinated how does that impact their fantasy value how does that impact their dynasty value and we even mentioned kirk cousins as someone who's like i am choosing not to reveal my decision and now the entire vikings quarterback room is on the covid list um presumably at this stage you know Obviously, this this comes out in a couple of days, so it might come out that you know Kirk Cousins tested negative, and it was just one of the other quarterbacks. But right now, we're presuming we're kind of presuming right now that all, all of the Vikings, um, what's his name, Kellen Mond, Kirk Cousins, and Nate Stanley, all have COVID basically. Um So let's kind of just revisit the topic and from a different perspective though so cam newton kind of cited some of his poor play in the remainder of 2021 or 2020 to recovering from COVID, to like you know it being a debilitating you know illness and, and and virus so are we going to factor this into our 2021 expectations like Oh, Kirk Cousins might be recovering from COVID, or player X is recovering from COVID. We should, you know, not be, you know, trying to trade him for a similar level player who's going to give me better production because he's not recovering from COVID. Like, what are are your overall thoughts? Like, obviously, no one's playing with COVID, but the real question is what's happening after they are removed from the COVID list.
2: Well, f- from what I remember, Cam was pretty sick. Uh, obviously, didn't didn't handle it or have it the way that most people did, which was asymptomatic. You know, you at worst you you lose your sense of taste, or you have a cough for a couple minutes, or whatever it happens to be. But otherwise, you wouldn't know that you had anything else going on. Uh, from my understanding, Kirk is asymptomatic, uh, but somebody in the room—I think it was Kellen Mond—was the one that tested positive, or yeah. was it Nate Stanley? I think it, it
1: might have been Stanley. I think it was Stanley, but.
2: Either way. So one of those guys tested positive that shuts the whole room down. Obviously, he's still on the list. So there's probably a pretty decent chance he tested positive as well. But or, I, I or what, also, what,
1: it, what it also means this is also one of the negative effects of not being um, vaccinated is that by the NFL rules, all you have to do is test negative once once you're like, if if you have that direct contact, just test negative once as long as you're vaccinated, you're fine. But there's a longer process that delays you from getting back with your team if you're unvaccinated.
2: Right. And that's that's my guess. It's just NFL protocol at this point. Uh it doesn't change really anything for me. Uh obviously if that the room gets it that's tough, but hopefully that, that means that they're not going to have it again. But that also hasn't I guess been <laughs> been true in every case either. So it um you know, keeping him out of camp I I don't think it's huge for Kirk Cousins. I don't think it's really all that important for that offense. They're they're going to be what they're going to be. I think it would be more important if Kirk was a rookie or a second year quarterback, or if they had a lot of rookies on offense aside from maybe some offensive linemen, you know, it's not great for the pass catchers not to be catching balls from their starting quarterback, but at the same time they have enough elite talent uh, in their wide receiver room and at running back that I, I don't think this really affects much as far as cousins goes missing some time you know, it it just, I guess it kind of is what it is. Uh, Well, sure.
1: I mean, mean, he, he he, he is like a 10 year veteran. So it's it's not like he needs every bit of training camp, like, like a rookie would.
2: Right. And that's kind of where I'm going with that. Now, if it turns up that he was very sick and, and, you know, he had some, some different issues with it. He spent some time in the hospital, whatever it happens to be, if he had any complications whatsoever, I think that changes because I, I did see pretty consistently the guys that actually got like sick and had some complications didn't play well for a while after they had it. Cam cam looked like he had never played football before after he came back off the COVID list. So uh, I think if we get news that Kirk is actually sick, then we can change. But at this point, I think he's just an NFL protocol and I I don't think it really affects much uh, aside from maybe missing some practices.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, let's move on to some Debbie talk here. There there is some N I L, uh, what is that? I forgot what NIL stands for. Anyways, it's the way that Debbie, that college players are now paid. They're basically able to, able to pay Nike's able to pay them. Local car dealerships are able to pay them. You know to use their like oh image and likeness, uh, national image and likeness or whatever it's called. Um, so the NIL, I wasn't really expecting this to have much impact on the Debbie sphere. It's like okay, well instead of you know I'm having a Debbie player who's not making money. I have a Debbie player who is you know up, at least forward and up front and. I didn't think it would change much, but we have news that pretty much shows that it could change leagues depending on how commissioners want to uh, approach it. Uh, Quinn Ewers, who is, uh, I believe, the top-ranked quarterback and maybe even the top-ranked player of the high school class of 2021, he has forgone his senior season and his senior year of high school. He's going to graduate the summer of 2021 and be attending Ohio State in the beginning of the fall 2021, and he will be eligible to play in fall 2021. So we can uh, talk about a variety of things here, but my first question, I am a Debbie commissioner, and I do not allow for high schoolers to be uh, selected or auctioned because I think that it requires a level of depth and understanding that not everyone has, and I think it's a bit unnecessary because like, you still have so many years before he reaches the NFL well, Quinn Ewers is now three years away from the NFL, whereas I expected him to be at least four years away from the NFL, you know, just a few months ago. So what are your thoughts on, do you think that with a move like this, does this kind of force the hands of commissioners to allow for high school players in Devi, Or do you think it's like, you guys can just deal with it, you'll take Quinn, Quinn Ewers and, you know, it's, Quinn Ewers is not going to be the everyday example. He's going to be like, there's probably be like two to three guys per year as this evolves that this happens with.
2: Yeah, I think he's more of in the outlier class, but it, I guess it depends on the depth of, of the Debbie within any given league. I know some leagues have rules where you can only get juniors and, and seniors, or you can only get sophomores and juniors things like that and all the seniors go to the rookie draft yada 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 there's so many different rules so many different ways to do it but i feel like if it's just an open book and you can nominate anyone you want i think at this stage we consider we consider him a college athlete because he will be eligible in the fall that's when all of the other profession will be eligible as well
1: i'm more so saying like two months ago we weren't expecting him to be a college athlete in september
2: Sure. And if your Debbie draft is passed, obviously it's not going to, he won't be eligible until the next one. It's not like you can just go pick him up. No one has Debbie guys in their free agent pool. And if they did, that would be absolute chaos. Um, So, I mean, I I don't think this really changes a lot. Aside from maybe strategically, obviously you're going to be chasing the money as well as fantasy owners because you want the guys that are getting paid as well, because that means, someone's seeing them on a bigger stage rather than just in college football. They're not just spending money for two years or three years or whatever it is. They think there's more there. They want to build that relationship. They want to have the extra money, the extra income uh, for all of the free marketing. Well, not free, but inexpensive. I guess we can say marketing that was free marketing over however long. So, Maybe Quinn becomes Tom Brady. Maybe Quinn becomes Drew Brees. Maybe I mean maybe that's in his future. And now all of a sudden, all these companies that have linked to him and and his while he's with Ohio State now that extends into his pro career. Now they're making more money off of it that way. You know, it. I, I think. I think if anything, this should be a, a chance for Debbie owners to to kind of an extra little help. Obviously, before we were chasing five star athletes from 24 seven or whatever other, you know, um, different coaching sites or, or scouting sites, whatever they all were. And now we have potential contracts. You can look at contracts just like we would with anybody else. Hey, this guy's got this contract. Well, now we can do that with college players. So I think there's going to be more strategy for, for players rather than an issue for, for commissioners, unless it, it truly becomes, now we've got entire classes, you know, graduating early and and going as 17-year-olds to college campus and we're drafting them as 17-year-olds rather than 18 or 19-year-olds.
1: So basically what you're saying is that at this stage, change nothing other than, like if you have a debut draft on August 4th, you can draft Quinn Ewers because he has basically declared, he is a freshman starting in 2021. But if your debut draft was in June, he wasn't a college athlete at that point, so, or he wasn't projected to be a college athlete at that point. So it is what it is. So that that does make sense. And that is kind of a fair way to do it. Like, okay, once the player intention, uh, announces their intentions or whatever, maybe like says, hey, I'm graduating high school early, so I'm gonna be able to do this. Um, like I said, it's not going to be a huge uh, com- common prospect. So I don't think you really need to change league rules. I certainly don't. I certainly wouldn't want to make this league change rule and then have like half of the Debbies be high school seniors. Because I feel like that you know is not for the best of the
2: league. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, if this if this becomes the normal, when all of a sudden we start seeing all of your future five star guys coming out early because they can get that paycheck or they can they can get to campus early or whatever it happens to be. I think at that point maybe you modify a little bit uh any any early you know commits or any early um what uh, whatever I think that you would limit it to at that point only freshmen sophomore juniors whatever that were committed on on whatever day it happened to be you know if if national if they're not committed on national signing day uh that's that's probably your your line honestly i I think you you would have to draw a line in the sand somewhere if it becomes the new normal and it could this could become the new wave we could see every player that's a four and a five star signing deals with every company under the moon uh local stuff national stuff whatever it happens to be and good for the kids go chase the money absolutely um but I, i think that would probably water down what what these companies are really looking for. So I don't think it's going to get overly crazy and we're seeing tons and tons of people leave early and, and do all of that. So I I think right now we just, we'll call this an outlier um, and probably expect it to be pretty limited year to year. Like you mentioned earlier, two or three a year, I would guess would be maybe, you know, maybe we'll get in that five to, to eight range in a few years, once this becomes more normalized, but as of right now, I think it's just kind of all so different for everybody. They're not really sure what to do.
1: But also, Nike is going to learn really quickly that the bust rate on five-star quarterbacks is so <laughs> extremely high. Like they're gonna be given these million, two million dollar contracts, like well, shit, this guy got benched in week two and never saw the field ever again.
2: (laughs) And this, honestly, in my opinion, will make it higher. Uh, You're adding more pressure onto somebody earlier in their career when they're not ready to handle it as 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds by all of a sudden piling millions of dollars potentially onto them and and putting them in the spotlight. So uh, I think this is potentially worse for these players. Now we're going to talk about
1: some running backs and wide receivers and their path to rookie production and basically what needs to happen what needs to happen for their you know best case scenario or to improve their values things of that nature so first we have javonte williams now the dream for some javonte williams fantasy owners is for the most part dead uh the denver broncos are not going to land aaron Rodgers, uh skyrocketing the value of one javonte williams but what are some things that you can see happening or you you think could happen that will make him live up to his value, exceed his value? What are some things that need to happen?
2: Well, I think the obvious one is that Melvin Gordon isn't 100% or, or Melvin Gordon, uh, maybe Vic Fangio and, and the Denver Broncos see him as kind of a secondary piece at this stage. You know, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, I, I still think that offense is going to be relying a little more than maybe they have in the past on the running game. And I think that's probably why they brought Javante Williams in. Now, they do have two great wide receivers in Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, as well as Noah Fant. And, you know, Philip Lindsay's not in town anymore. Royce Freeman isn't a thing. You know, it's really Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. So uh, I think there's a pretty clean path here for Javante Williams to some production. I don't think he's a 1A at all in 2021. I still think it's Melvin Gordon's backfield, but I, I think there's a real chance that it gets to that 60-40 or even a 50-50 split. And then if at any point Melvin Gordon isn't 100% or he does get fully injured, uh, it, it could be the Javante show earlier rather than later. Um, my only concern is is that he seems to me more like a, Ten to twelve, maybe fifteen touch kind of guy, rather than a bell cow guy. I, I'd like him more in a committee with with whatever compliment that they can find. If that's Melvin Gordon, great. Uh, I just think he he's probably going to be more suitable with a little more splashy player next to him. So we'll we'll see. I, I guess it's you know we'll see what Denver wants to do. We'll see if he's involved in the passing game. Or if that's just going to be strictly the the two wide receivers and Noah Fant. Beyond that, I don't think they really are going to throw the ball enough to keep everybody involved and and interested. So, yeah, it's I I feel like they've got a couple of similar players in Gordon and Javante Williams, but hopefully he can prove us wrong and maybe show out a little bit as a rookie.
1: Yeah, with Javante Williams, his box score scout is not the prettiest. Uh, Mike Weber, Storm Johnson, Window Smallwood, Robert Howard, Travis Homer, not much good on the horizon. Mike Davis is one of them, so I guess that's decent. Um, but he is going in the late fourth round RB18, Ruby of his Triflex ADP. And as far as like, trying to find his positive outcome, trying to find where his value meets – first thing is drew lock has to be much better of an NFL player than he was his first two seasons or Teddy Bridgewater needs to be, you know, at the very least like a top 20 ish quarterback. So I think the top, the main thing that needs to happen is the quarterback play needs to improve and be better. And then the second thing needs to be, they need to give up and melt them, whether it's through cutting or benching, whatever it may be. And I think that if the quarterback play does ele- elevate, not that I'm expecting it, if the quarterback play does elevate, I think it's more likely they're like, okay, you know what? We have this young guy. We have the hot hand. We're going to give this guy as many touches as, as possible because this is what's going to make this young offense grow. Like I said, I'm not confident in either of the quarterbacks here, but if either of the quarterbacks do play well, I think it's a good thing for Javante Williams.
2: Yeah. Obviously any, anytime you have good quarterback player or a positive offense, that's always better for running backs, uh, assuming that they run the ball with any sort of volume and efficiency. So uh yeah like i said it's it's interesting i just feel like they got a a souped up royce freeman i guess i mean big slow uh not not really your explosive guy but we'll um we'll see maybe that maybe that's what they were trying to get out of Royce freeman maybe they just wanted to run the ball up the middle and free some things up for the for the passing game uh i feel like you can do that a little bit with javante and maybe they add some more secondary running back options down the line. But uh, at this stage, I, I worry more about Melvin that they're not going to call him washed and let him, let him go. And they're going to try to just feed him too much because of the money he's got left on his contract.
1: All right, let's move on to our next player. and It is one Michael Carter of the New York jets. Day three running back has some decently high expectations. He's going RB 27 or of his drive like in the, End of the eighth round, eight-nine turn. So what needs to happen for Michael Carter to exceed or live up to expectations? Similar to with with similar to with Jamonte Williams. I think quarterback play is huge here. If the Zach Wilson plays well early on, I think that's gonna be a positive indicator for Michael Carter. The Jets really don't have much at the running back position, really. He's going to get the, some volume either way. It's just a matter of, is the Jets running back volume going to be good volume to be had?
2: Well, yeah, like you said, there's there's not much standing in his way. I, I think, honestly, the the big thing here is, is Michael Carter any good? Uh, I don't know that we know I mean, that there, from there's been plenty of
1: bad there's been plenty of bad running backs to be productive. About. Like, Monte Ball was like RB13 this summer year
2: but that offense was still somewhat okay, right? This offense could be an absolute train wreck. Uh, If Zach Wilson isn't at least average, it's going to be ugly. And I think it's going to be ugly pretty early on. Um, I, I just, I feel like if anything, it's going to be a struggle bus for the offense and Michael Carter. I feel like he gets lost behind the line way too easily. And when you're doing that in a, on a line that's already allowing more pressure than they should be and, and allowing running backs no space, that's not going to be great for him. Um, but the volume should realistically be there. We just really, really need Zach Wilson to not be a potato. And we need the wide receivers to be able to get open. Uh, that's a lot to ask. I, I don't have huge expectations for production in this offense, but the volume says that there should be something there. So uh, I, I guess it depends on if, if the juice is worth that squeeze. But for me right now, I'm, I'm probably avoiding the situation until we know more, which obviously right now is the best time probably to get in because he's, he's going to be at his cheapest. Uh, probably same with Zach Wilson, to be honest, unless they both completely tank. But it, it, it's, a, it's a weird one because volume tells me that I should chase but ability and situation are kind of lingering in my mind. Like, eh, i not, not going to chase that.
1: And let's move on to another New York Jet, Elijah Moore, who has been getting some run with the ones, according to the good old roto World NBC Sports Edge blurb. Um, Elijah Moore's, uh, you know, getting some run with the ones, which a little bit unexpected with, you know, thought they might lean on some Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims, According to practice reports and things like that over the last, you know, 18 months, he's terrible. He's not just not good. He's <laughs> bad and shouldn't be an NFL player. So Elijah Moore getting some run with the ones basically means that he has the opportunity to be the wide receiver two behind Corey Davis. So do you see Elijah Moore in year one as a he's dependent on what happens with Zach Wilson? Or do you think he's gonna be the volume regardless where he's gonna be, you know, a top sixty wide receiver?
2: Originally I was pretty I was pretty far off of Elijah Moore. I, I didn't get it. And the more I watched and kind of the more we learn now, the more I'm kind of getting like an Emmanuel Sanders type vibe. I feel like he can play that little slot and stretch the field for them from the inside. I it's a weird one because he should get a bunch of volume because, like you mentioned, and the reports say Denzel Mims is bad. I've been saying Denzel Mims is bad for three years. No one will listen. <laughs> He's not good. He's not going to be good. He's just someone uh, with a, that came from a college that I refused to affiliate with after all of my misses. I, I fell in love with too many, <laughs> too many players <laughs> from, from that college. And they will shall remain nameless. So it
1: has nothing to do with all the other bad things that have happened at that school. Yes. Just I mean, we don't need to go to that.
2: We, I wasn't going to go there, Nathan. I'm glad you took it there though. No, I, I, I do. I, I've really come around on Elijah Moore. I do think he can be, Um, I, I think he can be definitely serviceable. And I honestly think there's a good chance that he sneaks into like a top 36 this season. It, again, it kind of all relies on whether Zach Wilson is, is, halfway decent or if he's awful awful i don't think anyone's expecting zach wilson to be great i don't think we're expecting a a josh allen type rise um i think best case scenario is he turns into baker mayfield which is kind of what he is Uh, and a lot of people have really high hopes for elijah Moore. a lot of people see antonio brown uh i'm a little more realistic in in seeing a lot of what i saw in emmanuel sanders uh and a lot of what i liked and and in this day and age when we see these kind of smaller playmaker type wide receivers, he kind of fits that mold. So I, I got more excited over time. I do think Elijah Moore is still a, a pretty nice buy. And I think you can get him for relatively cheap. I would guess an early second would be a, a, a pretty easy, fair deal to, to get. And honestly, I think there's a lot of upside in that early second by getting Elijah Moore. <sighs>
1: All right, let's wrap up the show with our final wide receiver, which is Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman got the quote-unquote bad landing spot by going to the Baltimore Ravens at the end of the first round. Now, I've been kind of bullish on the landing spot. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a huge uh, 2021. I think he's going to have me look much more like – and Lamar Jackson is another guy who looked very bad after COVID. And so if we look at, you know, nine, ten months removed from COVID – he might be closer to that 2019 than we saw in 2020. So uh, I'm, I'm bullish on Lamar Jackson, and that kind of means I'm bullish on Rashad Bateman, especially after uh, uh, John Harbaugh is it John or Jim? John John Harbaugh uh, <laughs> announced today that Marquise Brown. Uh, I, I don't know if you ever heard about this, Dan. Marquise Brown has a hamstring injury. Have you Have you ever heard of that?
2: Soft tissue, you say never heard of it uh and it
1: unfortunately i I am a huge marquise brown fan but unfortunately it uh john harbaugh said that it may be of the more serious variety for uh marquise brown's hamstring and if so uh if i'm going to stick with my huge year for lamar jackson opinion that is going to result in a huge year for rookie rashad bateman
2: and i think an equally huge year for mark andrews Uh, and i do think we see jk dobbins finally get uh, get a little bit of the work that he's been longing for. So yeah, I, I think whether Hollywood Brown is, is healthy or not, I think we see a, a bigger leap from Rashad Bateman than a lot of people expected, uh, honestly, <laughs> and I'm not joking, had he gone quite literally anywhere else, he would have been my wide receiver one. And I, I didn't love the Baltimore landing spot, but over time and with some news, um, not that I have any insiders, but I've got I've gotten some some other news that kind of you alluded to with with Lamar Jackson um, and the rebound for 2021 post covid Lamar was not Lamar. And we it sounds like he is more what we were seeing in 2019. So uh, I have much higher hopes than I had Uh it sounds like they're they're modifying game plans and trying to get back to the things that they did very well in 2019, getting back to airing it out some more, making and setting up that run much better by throwing the ball. And I feel like Baltimore gets it. If Hollywood's healthy, that offense is going to be scary. I think it's going to be very good regardless. So I think Bateman has a clean line to production with or without Hollywood Brown. Obviously, his volume will probably decrease a little bit if brown is healthy for all 16 or 17 games Uh, but i i feel like we've got a pretty nice um maybe dk metcalf like type rookie season for rashad bateman and then i think we say that potentially the sky's the limit for him beyond 2021 and i think we see him skyrocket up the charts
1: Alrighty, so yeah, uh, as far as like the answer to the question, like how does he get that production? It is some increase in pass volume, some injury to, to Hollywood Brown, and just some trust between Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman, which you and I are in agreement that it's very likely to happen at this point. And I, I mentioned during draft season that the hyperbole of like Rashad uh, Justin Jefferson or Rashad Bateman is this year, Justin Jefferson, but it's kind of playing out like that's definitely a legitimate legitimate uh, option slash you know outcome
2: yeah and that's you know that's that's big praise to try to put on somebody, and we haven't even seen him take a snap yet, but um, I would have had them in a very similar category as as college prospects, so uh, i I definitely don't hate seeing that obviously, we all think Jamar Chase is going to be an absolute world beater, so um I think Rashad Bateman is on par with him, and obviously Justin Jefferson we saw what he did as a rookie, so uh i, I think the production will be there and I, I think. Again, kind of like Elijah Moore, now is probably the, the best time to get in if you are trying to buy Rashad Bateman because I don't think he's getting any cheaper than he is right now.
1: All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Any last words, Dan? That should do it. All right, make sure to subscribe to Rotoviz, RB Radio 2021. And yep, yeah, we're in August, so we're creeping towards the season and go make some trades. Kadosh.